Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast. Ed and Alex back on the air talking draft stuff. And uh, we've got kind of an interesting show on tap, and we'll get to it a bit later. But first, let's talk about Julio Jones. Julio Jones, we heard leading up to the June 1st deadline that he was going to get moved. He told Shannon Sharp that he is as good as gone. There were a couple of teams that I'm sure were lined up for his services. The Atlanta Falcons didn't get a first-round pick, but the Tennessee Titans made the move and traded for the one of the best wide receivers in the league in Julio Jones. I think what the, happened with the Falcons is they needed to make this move to sign their draft class. And I think now that they've moved some money off the books with Julio Jones, I think now um, you know they've gotten some draft picks and now they've they've gotten an opportunity to basically sign their draft class. You know, as far as a, a receiver option goes, I think you know Calvin Ridley is kind of now your number one. And then, you know, you've got Kyle Pitts, who's probably your number two as a rookie. Um, You know, he's a tight end. You've got options for Matt Ryan. I think from a passing standpoint, the Falcons are fine. Well, they certainly think that as well, um, if they moved Julio Jones. But this was a money issue. They had to get his contract off the books because he was on the books for three years. The Tennessee Titans make the move. Obviously, they've got A.J. Brown on the roster. They've got Derrick Henry. They've got a quarterback who has resurrected his career in in Ryan Tannehill. But Julio Jones gives him that extra weapon. Do you think the Titans are the favorites now in the AFC South? I think they're absolutely the favorites in the AFC South. Um, Ryan Tannehill is an underrated quarterback. You've got A.J. Brown, who I actually think is going to be the number one. Just think about that. And then think about what a matchup nightmare. If A.J. Brown is the centerpiece of that offense and he's a dominant player and then you have Julio Jones, that is a passing attack. And then the fact that you throw in a running game with Derrick Henry, this is going to be a very dangerous offense. It's going to be interesting how they balance this whole thing out because what Mike Rabel has shown with the Tennessee Titans is that he relies on the running game. He relies on Derrick Henry. This is still an an old school type of offense. They use Tannehill on those play action passes. I'm I'm interested to see if they're going to open up the playbook a little bit more because they've got two of the the better wide receivers. This might be like the the best wide receiver duo in the entire league. I mean, with all due respect to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I mean, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, that's a serious duo. They might be number one. I'm just curious whether Vrabel is going to allow the Tennessee Titans to to throw the football a little bit more and kind of go away from Derrick Henry in some games. Do you see that happening? I absolutely think they have to throw the ball. <laughs> you know, you, you don't have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones and not throw the ball. Tannehill is capable of throwing the ball. I, again, this is going to be an offense that's going to put up big numbers um, as long as they can stay on the field on third down. So I, I think this is going to be a very, very difficult offense to stop. Well, it remains to be seen. Once again, it's it's a running offense. That's the one thing that they've shown in the past. And Tannehill is still more of a game manager than he is like more of a Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers type of player who 
who can make plays on his own. We'll see if Rabel opens it up a little bit more, allows his new offensive coordinator to do that. It's interesting that they did the deal. Uh, Arthur Smith is the former offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, so there's some familiarity there. He's the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. It's interesting that the deal was made between two teams that that know each other a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, this happens a lot in football. I mean, sometimes it's a who-you-know kind of business. I mean, we see when a coach goes to another team that he's familiar with certain players and he knows what they can do and he wants to bring them to their team. I mean, you know, it's, it's like the saying goes, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know, right? Um, you know, we see that a lot of times with teams, you know, they, they, they stick with their guys and they believe in their guys. And, um, you know, that's definitely how, how the NFL is set up. I mean, you just don't see the wheeling and dealing. I mean, they're just... You know, you remember kind of like baseball in the 90s and the 2000s. It's just, you know, they just trade players and they find a new combination. Or, you know, you see the NBA, you just, you know, find a whole new combination, find a whole new big three. Um, You know, in football, you really got to build a culture and, um, you know, stick with the guys you got. Personally, I still have the Colts as my favorites in the AFC South. This trade doesn't really change things. I, I believe in a comeback story of Carson Wentz, and that's a big if, if he's able to to bounce back and, and take his game to where it once was with the, the Philadelphia Eagles during the first couple of years. But I like their running game as well with Jonathan Taylor. They might not have the weapons on the outside like the Titans with A.J. Brown or Julio Jones, but I think the Colts have a better offensive line. I think they have a much better defense than Tennessee. And, you know, defense still was wins championships, and, and the Colts have had a really good defense the past couple of years, and the Titans kind of took a step back last year, and that's the reason why they, they didn't achieve those same heights like they did two years ago. You know, many people have been saying this on social media, and I've seen it on some prominent websites, sports websites as well, that people think that the titans are now super bowl bound are you a believer in that uh, i wouldn't say the titans are super bowl round i mean they you still got patrick mahomes in kansas city you still got the cleveland browns who are going to be a very good team this year you still got the baltimore ravens you still got the buffalo bills you still got bill belichick in the league so you know the afc is loaded just the odds i mean it just you know if you're a betting man don't bet on the Tennessee Titans yet. If you if if you're thinking about who you're going to go with in the AFC South, the team I would go with is the is the Tennessee Titans. Well, I'll tell you what. Julio has a lot to prove. He's 32 years old, but he's coming off an injury-filled season where he just wasn't healthy last year, and he needs to bounce back. And I'm sure he's going to be motivated to show his new team that he's still got it. He's had some durability concerns, but when he's been on the field, Julio Jones has always been one of the the better wide receivers, top three, top five, whatever you want to say. The Atlanta Falcons had a heck of a receiver for a long, long time. We mentioned that we kind of have a surprise. We want to continue with some draft topics, and and Ed and I decided to come up with our with our ultimate draft team. What that means is Ed and I are going to be able to pick a player in each round that we feel has the best value. So guys that were picked in the first round, we're going to pick them. Each of us is going to pick them. And then we're going to move on to the second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, and the seventh round. Each of us is going to have a pick in each round. So interesting exercise just based on where we felt like which player was the best value 
in that particular selection or round. So let's start with you, Ed. Let's start with the first round, and uh, I'll give you the first dibs. I'll give you the first pick. Well, I think if I'm in the first round and I need a quarterback, I'm going to go with Zach Wilson. You know, this is a guy who really came on in his last year at BYU. I think he, he moves well in the pocket. I think he's got that it factor in his personality. I think he's got a strong arm. I think he's got good accuracy. I think he's mentally tough. I think he's changing the culture in New York. So I'm going to go with Zach Wilson as my guy in the first round. Who else did you consider in the first round? Who else did you have? It's it's actually a difficult decision. I mean, at the moment you asked, I, I almost thought Trevor Lawrence. And I mean, you know, just Trevor Lawrence, you know, had such a great career at Clemson. You know, he went to the national championship and won. You know, as a freshman, he won the job. Uh, you know, as a sophomore, he kind of slumped a little bit. But I mean, they were always a great team while he was under the helm. He's got all the tape. You know, he's got the personality. Um, you know, he's marketable. What wouldn't you want in Trevor Lawrence? You know what I'm saying? I think the sky's the limit with Zach Wilson, and I, I think that's why I go there. I mean, another thing is, too, is like Kyle Pitts. I mean, if I'm if I'm not going to go with a quarterback, Kyle Pitts is a game changer at tight end. I mean, he's, you know, you put him as a receiver, and he's, an, you know, he's a weapon. I mean, he's the kind of guy who could go to the Pro Bowl as a, as a rookie. All right. Uh, now I have the pick in the first round, and here are some of the players that I'm considering. I'm considering Jamar Chase. I am considering Alex Leatherwood. I'm considering Jamin Davis. I am considering uh, Quiddy Pay. I mean, all those guys. Peyton Turner. I mean, all those guys. Jason Away. No, I'm kidding. I mean, those are all the guys that I think are overrated and didn't deserve to be drafted in the first round. It's just my opinion. I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts just for all the reasons that you mentioned. I think the the safe thing to do is to go quarterback, but we're not filling all the positions. And I'm just going with the best player in the first round. He went fourth overall to the Atlanta Falcons. I think they made the right move by choosing him instead of a quarterback now that they've moved on from Julio Jones. And I also consider J.C. Horn from the Carolina Panthers who went eighth. I thought that was a good pick. And uh, if we're talking about a late first-round pick, I mean, Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver who went to the Ravens, I considered him as well. But I'll go with you know, the best prospect other than quarterbacks in this draft, and, and that's Kyle Pitts. Let's move on to the second round, and we'll do round robin. I will go with the second-round pick first, try to steal that guy from Ed. You know, there are a lot of good offensive linemen in the second round. There really are. A lot of them I like. So here's my thought process, um, just based on which guys I had ranked really high on my big board. I was a big fan of Javante Williams, the running back from UNC. I was a big fan of Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from Alabama. Also a big fan of Liam Eikenberg, offensive lineman that went to the Dolphins. Trayvon Merrig, the TCU safety, also very high on my board. Asante Samuel Jr., Aaron Banks, Samuel Cosme, Pat Fryermuth. I mean, there's a lot of them. But I'm going to steal a guy from you, Ed. I've got a feeling that you're going to go with him. And this is a guy that was ranked really high on my board. He was like a top 15, top 20 prospect for me. 
Even though I didn't choose a quarterback, I will go with the center from Oklahoma, Creed Humphrey, who went 63rd overall uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. I consider that a huge steal. I think this guy is going to be a kind of a guy that you plug in and he's going to be your stalwart at the center position for the next 10 to 12 years. I think he's an all-around guy and that's going to be my pick in the second round. Well, I'll be sitting in the boardroom. I'll be cursing your name. I will probably send you a text after saying good pick. Between my scouts and I, I'm cursing your name because I wanted Creed Humphrey and I'm on the board and to be honest with you, the two names that stick out to me are Pat Fryermuth uh, from Penn State who went to the Steelers and Tyson Campbell, who was one of the first picks, if not the first pick, in the second round. Um, there's kind of two options here. Um, the, my thinking is with Fryermuth, I like him a lot. I think he's a good all-around tight end. The problem with him is he's coming off an injury, so there's still some unknown. So right here, I go with Tyson Campbell. I really like him. I think he's a first-round quality corner. I think he's going to be a good corner in the league. Normally, the, I mean, the reason why I probably would have went Creed Humphrey over uh, Tyson Campbell is because Tyson Campbell plays cornerback, and cornerbacks are hard to predict. But at this point, the best value player is the cornerback, and you sure as heck can't have too many cornerbacks on your roster. Absolutely. A lot of teams load up on these cornerbacks during the draft. Your guy that you've believed in, Tyson Campbell, you know, the the speed, size, athleticism, ratio. You're betting on this guy's upside. It's a risky pick, Ed, in the second round. It really is. Just like the way it, it was a risky pick for the Jaguars in the beginning of the second round. It is a risky pick, but you know what? I think it's the right pick. And to be honest with you, every pick is a risky pick. You're going to be regretting this, Ed. Pat Fryermuth is going to be a heck of a player. He seemed like more of a, a safe choice, and that's the reason why the Steelers chose him in the second round. I, I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, you know, Fryermuth, I mean, when I spoke to Antoine, I forget his last name, uh, linebacker from Michigan State I interviewed, I asked him, you know, who was the toughest player you faced, and he said this guy Fryermuth, and I mean, he, he said, you know, he's the best tight end in this draft. And I said, what about Kyle Pitts? And he said... Um, he said, I consider him a wide receiver. So, I mean, you talk about all-around tight end. Pat Fryermuth is the guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if it wasn't for the injury, this would be the pick. All right, makes sense. Well, hopefully for the Steelers' sake that he's going to be healthy and he's going to be running at full speed. Tyson Campbell, a very interesting selection. Again, I, I went inside your head, Ed. I mean, I listed about seven or eight guys that I considered for that pick. But I knew you were going to go Humphrey because it makes sense. You you went quarterback in the first round, so you probably won an offensive lineman in the second round as deep as this you know, offensive lineman class was based on where they were picked in the second round. I also liked Humphrey a lot, just like you. And uh, you have to play chess and not checkers. And that's the reason why I went with Creed Humphrey. Let's go to the third round, and you have the first pick there. Well, you know who I'm going to be taking off the board. I mean, there's three names that I'm thinking about. I mean, Aleve McNeil is in my conversation. Patrick Jones is in my conversation. Who is, I think, the steal? And if I really need an edge guy, that might be the pick. To be honest with you, I, I just can't, I can't argue with Wyatt Davis. And I think the only reason he's available in the third round is because I see him as athletically limited. I see the athleticism on tape. I see the technician on tape. I see the dominance. I see a guy who played for Ohio State. This is a guy who I know is only a guard. I plug him in at guard, and he helps my team. 
Yeah, that was also expected. Just looking at those names in the third round, I mean, they you had Wyatt Davis as a with the first round grade, so it makes sense that you're going to go in that direction. When I look at guys that are in the third round, I wouldn't say that I'm like ecstatic with a lot of names. I mean, I listed like seven or eight guys that I would have happily drafted in the second round. I can't say that for the third round. I guess Aleem McNeil stands out to me. And then I've got like Chas Surratt, Diami Brown is a player that I was a fan of during this draft process, Wyatt Davis, but you took him off the board. I am a fan of Patrick Jones, but I thought Ronnie Perkins, you know, I'm a fan as well. Elijah Molden is also an interesting pick, a guy that you interviewed, cornerback from Washington, that went to the Titans, and that's probably the direction that I'm going to go in. As much as I like Aleem McNeil, and I do, I gave him a second-round grade, and I just think you're getting a guy that is going to help you in the trenches and can stop the run and can take on double teams. Elijah Molden, to me, at 100, presents more of a value pick. You know, he can help me in the run game. He can shut down that slot receiver. He's going to be on the field about 80, 85% of the time because, I mean, nickel corners are always on the field. And he slipped because he didn't run really well. He's disappointed in his pro day. But he brings the smarts. He brings the instincts. He's got good ball skills. You can't go wrong with taking a Washington corner. Even if he's not going to be an outside guy, I value guys that can play the slot. Based on where he was picked, I think this was a bargain. So I'll go with Elijah Molden, cornerback from Washington. Fourth round. Uh, Fourth round also always presents a a lot of value picks. But you know where I'm going to go here. As much as I like Michael Carter, the running back from UNC, and I do love him. And I think Zach Wilson is going to love him with the New York Jets. He's going to he's going to give him that change of pace back who can catch the ball out of the backfield, who can help us as a return specialist. And as much as I love that running back, I have to go wide receiver here. I've been pumping this name up throughout the draft process. Not many people were quite as high on him. I gave him a second round grade. And I think he is going to prove a lot of people wrong in the NFL. And the Lions didn't choose a single wide receiver before they chose Amon Ross St. Brown with with that 112th pick in the fourth round. So the USC wide receiver who's got sticky hands, he's a good route runner. He's a guy that gets open. He creates separation. He can play on the outside. He can play in the slot. I think Jared Goff is going to love him in the same way that he loved playing with Robert Woods with the Los Angeles Rams. I think the Lions got one of the biggest steals in the entire draft, and this wide receiver is still going to make a huge name for himself. So Amon Ross St. Brown is the pick here in the fourth round. And again, I'm cursing your name. In the in the yeah, war I'm room. In- but you know what? I'll tell you this. I mean, you can't be cursing me here. With Creed Humphrey, I knew you were going to go with him, and I loved him. And I decided to steal one player from you. But Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, that was the guy that I was just always pumping up throughout the draft process. I didn't take him in spite of you. I took him because I love him truly. And I just think he presents the the best value here in the fourth Yeah, well, I'm I'm in agreement that he is the best pick 
And you know, I, I I think I think there's two options on the board. There's Derek Browns and there's Michael Carter. Um, Michael Carter, I mean, he is the whole package, and for a change of pace back, this is the guy I want. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take him off the board, and you know he's gonna help my running back room. So I'm gonna take Michael Carter. Um, the other guy I was considering was Derek Barnes. Um, you know, if I just want to get an athlete, guy who can help me on special teams, guy who I think can eventually win a job, maybe be, you know, a low key good linebacker in the league, Derek Barnes. But to be honest with you, I'm more I'm more satisfied with what I saw out of Michael Carter. You know, he showed it at the Senior Bowl, so Michael Carter's the pick. Yeah, Michael Carter is, is an amazing pick here. I can't bash this pick at all because it was close. It was either him or Amon Ross St. Brown. Both guys were my, my draft crushes at both positions. Another guy that I would consider, and this personally me, is Buddy Johnson. Buddy Johnson, who the Steelers chose at the end of the fourth round. He's going to be their 3-4 inside linebacker. I was a big fan. I just think he's going to be one of their starting linebackers. Even what, do, as what, a do you, what do you like about yeah, him? We I, all I don't really see the draw of him as much as other people are saying. I just think he's a really good run defender. He reads his keys well. He's got pretty good instincts. And I think for that 3-4 defense where he doesn't have to be that, that lone Mike linebacker, he's going to be able to, to present some value for them. I just I saw a guy that made a lot of plays in key situations in that Aggies defense, and that's the key sometimes. When a guy like sticks out to you on third down and he makes that key stop in the run game, or he gets a tip pass, or he gets an interception, in the 3-4 defense, he's not going to be asked to, to cover it quite as much. They can hide him a little bit. I just think as a run defender, he's as good as it gets. He's got that size, he's got speed, he's got that sideline-to-sideline side speed, and he's a good athlete. And I think that's what the Steelers are counting on. I, I believe he's a very underrated player, and the Steelers obviously saw something in him because, again, Steelers no linebackers, and it's hard to, to argue with that, and they certainly made him the pick. So I would have considered him here as well if it wasn't Amara St. Brown or Michael Carter, uh, a guy that, that I was high on. Let's go to the fifth round, and and you've got the first pick here. So you can't blame me for, you know, stealing your guy. You get the first pick. Well, you know I'm going to take Davion Nixon off the board. You know I really like him, and I'm going to try to figure out why, you know, he's still on the board. And obviously I'm going to double-check with my scouts and ask them if anything was weird. But, you know, I think about Brevin Jordan. I think about Caden Stearns. But when it comes down to it, I mean, Davion Nixon, put him in the middle and, you know, have him get after my quarterback their quarterback well you needed a defensive lineman right you needed a defensive lineman that can rush from the interior even though you consider like you said brevin jordan and caden stearns i mean you could still get a tight end and a safety later on in the draft it's interesting i'm not going to wind up with the quarterback in this draft i just completely like abandoned the the most important position on the board you know went with Kyle Pitts in the first round and just continued to to go off the board. Didn't select a defensive tackle, decided to go with the corner. You stick to your guns. I mean, you don't... Well, I said I'd ask my scouts. I'd ask my scouts, you know, I ask them, you know, was there anything anything weird when you talk to this guy? You know, do you feel... is, Is there anything in your gut that tells you there's something wrong? But if there's nothing wrong, you pull the trigger. Well, certainly Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers pulled the trigger here. 
They needed some help on the interior on that defensive line. And Davian Nixon was certainly a surprise that he lasted this long in the fifth round. Let's put my thinking cap on. Uh, let's let's dial some of those scouts or some of those coaches in college. It, you know, the fifth round pick is, is not going to be easy. Who am I going to go with? I mean, that's it's always kind of an interesting situation. So you took Davion Nixon. I'm looking at some guys that might like Jamar Johnson, safety from Indiana, who went to the Denver Broncos, you know, is a consideration for me. Who else? Um, Hufanga from USC uh, is a guy that I've been just promoting uh, almost as much as his teammate, Amon Ross St. Brown. I like Avery Williams, the cornerback from Boise State as well, who went to the Atlanta Falcons. I need some special teams play. I mean, this guy's going to play in the nickel. And he's going to be a really good return specialist for me. And we can't forget that. I mean, if he can help me. But I'll go with Hufanga. I'll go with the safety out of USC. I'll continue with my Trojans theme. West Coast. Again, Hufanga was a day two pick for me. I just thought on film, he made a lot of plays. He flew around. He was very active. He's a good run defender. He reads his keys well. He also came up with four picks during his junior year. Saw a couple of picks where he just undercut in front of the receiver. So you know that he's very well aware of what's going on on the football field. And I think the, the San Francisco 49ers got a huge steal with that 180th pick in the fifth round. I can't abandon myself. It seems like I'm I'm liking a lot of West Coast players. You know, I'm not even a USC Trojans fan, and I've picked, you know, back-to-back. Ross St. Brown, the wide receiver, and Hufanga here in the fifth round. Larry Borum was also a possibility, offensive tackle that went to the Chicago Bears. That was another guy that I kind of considered. But for me, just like for Ed, who chose Davion Nixon, Hufanga was, was an easy selection. Round Robin continues. Uh, we move on to the sixth round. It always kind of gets interesting. Who are we going to go in the sixth round? I'm going to walk people through this process. Looking at the names. I know who Ed is going to choose in the sixth round. I don't like this player. So I'm not going to jump in front of him. I'm not going to select him. Just to be mean-spirited. <laughs> That's not what I'm all about. I choose players that I like, so I'm not going to block him just because he's high on him. I actually, like, I don't even know who to go with. Like, you know, there, maybe I'll go Seth Williams, you know? Like, you and I talked about this. Seth Williams needs a little kick in the behind, you know? He needs to find his his heart. You know, I'm a big fan of Thomas Graham, who went to the Chicago Bears at the end of the sixth round. I mean, that was the one player that really stands out. Another Chicago player. Daz Newsome, the wide receiver from UNC, another guy that I'm really high on. But I'm going to go with a player that went to the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, a player that Ed and I had a huge discussion on a few weeks ago about who's going to step in and be that outside linebacker in that Steelers scheme opposite of TJ Watt, and that's Quincy Roche. He played defensive end at Miami. I just think he brings a lot, a lot to the table. I knew that he was going to get drafted somewhere by a 3-4 team. I certainly didn't think that he was going to get drafted here in the sixth round because this is just way too low for him. I guess the only thing that I would say is maybe he's not ideal size 
and maybe he's not that twitchy, but he's got really good pass rush moves. He's got a heck of a bull rush move. He knows how to set people up, those tackles up. You know, he's a guy that has a good motor, a guy that maybe got lost a little bit in the Miami defense because Jalen Phillips was the one that just came out of nowhere and had a terrific junior season, which, and he got drafted in the first round by the Miami Dolphins. I continue to say that Quincy Roche is a more complete player than Jalen Phillips, that just having a quick first step He's not going to get you on the field regularly, like on the first, second, and third down, because I think Jalen Phillips is more of a kind of a pass rusher on third downs at this point. Again, a more complete pass rusher in Quincy Roche. He started his career at Temple. He was really tough, hard worker, transferred to Miami, a guy that just knows how to get those tackles for loss. He knows how to get after the quarterback. That's my pick in the sixth round. I'm I'm also not abandoning myself, Ed. You went with Davion Nixon in the fifth round. You knew that I was going to turn around and go with Quincy Roche in the sixth round. You know, I thought about Quincy Roche, but now he's off the board. You know, it's actually a harder decision than you think. Well, walk me through this. Walk me through this process. I mean, I already told our listeners that it's going to be the offensive tackle from Florida, Stolen Foresight. So... What, what's your thinking? Taron Jackson is very attractive here, too. You know, guy's a winner. Guy can, you know, he's got good tape. I like I like who he is as an edge rusher. I mean, he can help me on the edge. You can never have too many edge rushers. You know, uh, I mean, he's a guy He's a guy I want on my team. You don't want Racy McMath? <laughs> no. <laughs> Racy, Racy McMath, I don't, I don't even think... Uh, you know, when, it, when we're opening up the checkbook to sign on, uh, undrafted free agents, I don't think I don't even think Racy McMath gets gets a tryout. <laughs> you know, I thought you were going to go with <laughs> Seth Williams, maybe Sam Ellinger. No, I mean, I mean, Taron Jackson is attractive to me. I mean, Taron Jackson is is a guy I'm thinking about here. But you know, I just I love Stone Forsythe's height. I love his tape. You know, I, I like him as a pass blocker. I think he can be a good. I think he can be a good tackle in the league. And I think he. I think as a sixth round pick, I think he can win my swing tackle job. I think he can be my guy who can come in if there's an injury and play well. So, I actually I, I'm gonna go with Stone Forsythe. I know you've been anticipating this pick. I, I want to go with Taron Jackson, but the small school the small school thing. And you know me and my. My big school bias. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, the, the the big school bias is just, it always wins out for some reason. Should have went with Teron Jackson. I mean, you've been high on him. You thought that that was a good pick in the sixth round. You need a pass rusher to pair up with Devion Nixon. It would make more sense than... But you continue to shore up that offensive line. Can Forsythe be a left tackle in the NFL? No, he I don't can. think he can. No, he can. Because I've seen. Yeah, he can. He can. You know, I'm probably going to have him put on a few pounds. I'm going to have him meet with the nutritionist, and I mean, he's going to have a high protein diet, and he's going to be in the gym. But yeah, I think I think he's I think he can be a left tackle. I don't know. I'm biased here. I've, I've seen him get beat on film by quicker pass rushers over and over again. He's had some bad games. I think he had a good game against Alabama, but there were a couple of other games that he just, he got abused. I'm sorry to say, but he was just, he, he was taken to school on those times. And 
I just there's no way he could stay on the left side. There's no way unless he's got a left-handed quarterback, which he doesn't, because his quarterback is Russell Wilson. I think he's a right tackle at best. Maybe even moves to guard just because I think he he's a guy that struggles in space. I, Go I ahead, think if he bulks again. up a little bit, I think he can be a depth guy on the inside. But yeah, I, I actually like him as a depth guy on my offensive line. Uh, Stone Forsyth is who I go with. All right, let's go with the the seventh round. You know, the drum roll here, and you've got the first pick to finish off your ultimate draft team. Well, I'm going to go with Jimmy Morrissey. I mean, uh, you, you know, you know, I value my offensive line, and I, I like I like my Jimmy Morrissey pick. I mean, he he's kind of like a guy who I think is a seventh round pick, but I think he, I think he's good enough to be my. You know, maybe he, he probably isn't my starting center. I don't think he wins the center job. But I think he's a guy who could be my backup center. You know, if there's an injury, I can put Jimmy Morrissey in, and he can hold down the job for me at center. Damn, you stole my guy. Even though I went with Creed Humphrey in the second round, I was going to go, if you weren't going to choose Jimmy Morrissey, I was going to choose Morrissey. And, you know, Humphrey can play guard. Morrissey can be my center. Or the other way around, doesn't matter. I'll try to put the best, you know, offensive lineman in there, and I don't care that I take two centers in this draft. But yeah, the the pit center goes to Ed, so he stole one from me. I mean, I stole a couple from him. He knew that I was going to go with Morrissey either way, so he he goes with the pit center. That makes my job a lot more difficult, <laughs> to be honest with you, because I started looking at the names in the seventh round and I I can't say that I'm ecstatic with any of these players I I really am like I started to go through you know even like who I like a little bit that I don't have like a huge affection for and I started just to walk you through this a little bit I guess Chris Garrett from Concordia St. Paul just because I've got some yeah I mean he's got to be on the list he's been on our podcast he's a really good guy just forces fumbles gets after the quarterback so you always root for some small school guy in in the later rounds maybe Tonga you know a defensive tackle from BYU that went to the Bears a guy that can be a good run defender a guy that can take on double teams is a guy that you know I liked a bit I know you were a big fan of William Bradley King um, and I guess he's a pass rusher they can get after the quarterback I know you've mentioned you know, some other dudes in there. We had Larnell Coleman, offensive tackle from UMass on the show. Michael Strong, the big wide receiver from University of Charleston, who went to the Colts. He's kind of an intriguing guy with size, speed, and athleticism. I'll go with another pass rusher that went to the Philadelphia Eagles. This guy, his motor never stops. He's a guy that's always flying around, always around the ball, whenever you turn on the the Tulane film on, and that's Patrick Johnson. Patrick Johnson is going to be your your outside linebacker in this scheme. He's not tall enough to be the defensive end. I'm a big fan of Patrick Johnson here in the seventh round. It makes sense. I'm not in love with any of these dudes because the logical choice for me was Jimmy Morrissey. That was the one guy that I always like. You know, I love this seventh round pick, but Patrick Johnson would be the the selection here. So, Ed, are you happy with your draft just in general? Yeah, I got myself out? a quarterback, got myself a cornerback, 
Got myself the guard I want. Got myself some running back help. Helped myself on the defensive line. Got some offensive line depth. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy with what I got. I probably would have wanted some edge help, but you know, I could have gone that way in the later rounds if I really wanted to. Well, we don't have 10 picks. We've got seven picks. I passed on a quarterback. I went with Kyle Pitts in the first round. In the second round, I, I stole Creed Humphrey from Ed. In the fourth round, I, I stole Amon Ross St. Brown from Ed as well, so quite happy about that. He came back on me, though, in the seventh round and, and took Jimmy Morrissey. So overall, I don't have a complete team. I don't have a running back. I don't have a quarterback, but it, the purpose of this exercise was just to choose the best available players who we felt presented the, the best value in each round. And uh, it was it was fun. I mean, this is, this is a little exercise, almost like you're sitting in the war room and, and you're the GM of the yeah, team. Yeah, I, I had fun with this, and I, I think we should do it next year. I mean, we did something like this last year. I actually like this style better because then I can really go after what players I really like and so forth. And obviously, I mean... You know, need wasn't really, you know, a part of this. And need plays a part in who I would go with in these situations. But, going, you know, knowing who these guys are and what the best player available is, I, I like Boro I went with. In closing right here, uh, there was some news that came out. The Eagles cut Wake Forest quarterback, who never played for the Georgia Bulldogs, Jamie Newman. That was kind of an interesting move because that move happened like after the OTAs. So obviously the Eagles didn't see anything in Jamie Newman that that got them excited. Yeah, I mean, this was a guy who, you know, everyone was interested in as a running quarterback and he had a great year, a great, you know, I'd say junior year at Wake Forest. And now he's pretty much out of football. I mean, it's just... You know, I don't know, maybe somebody wants to bring him into camp somewhere, but it's like all these teams, their rosters are filled. So um, I, I guess that's how it goes. I mean, if, I, if I'm an NFL team, you know, I'd, I'd make space for him and give him a, a shot, you know. I, I obviously don't know the situation, and, um, you know, there could be something there, and I'd like to investigate that. And I'd, I think we should keep our ears open for what could be coming next. Well, we'll see. I mean, Jamie Newman was certainly a hot name. He went to the Senior Bowl. Had a good first day, and then he struggled the rest of the way with his decision-making and accuracy. Obviously, the Eagles gave him a shot, and they pulled the trigger very quickly, which is very suspicious, in my opinion. Even for a young player that, that struggles in OTAs and maybe doesn't pick up the playbook, still a very interesting move that they didn't allow him to get into training camp, to observe some more, to let the coaches develop him a little bit more, especially... The fact that he didn't play last year, he opted out. I mean, remember, he transferred to Georgia, but then there were some rumors that another quarterback beat him out for the starting job. He knew that he wasn't going to get on the football field, and then he decided to opt out. I wish him well. I hope he gets picked up by some other team before training camp and gets a fair shot because, I mean, there is some uh, there is some potential there with the guy that has the arm strength, the size, the, the dual threat ability. Thank you for listening to another episode of Blitzcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Take care, everyone.